Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Claire O'Sullivan podcast. So today I am joined by an amazing friend of mine, the amazing Sean Doherty. Um, I'm so thrilled to have Sean here with us today to share, to share some of his incredible insights. Um, as always, I'm not going to try and introduce Sean. He's going to be much better at doing that himself himself so I am going to say a very big welcome to you here today Sean thank you so much for joining us and I'm going to let you introduce yourself to everyone great to be here Claire I think you've managed to shift the one part that nobody likes doing is talking about themselves (laughs) Um, yeah so about me I my name's Sean I own and operate the 555 club Um, it's a live bite-sized wellness um tool for people to use during the day monday to friday it came about off the back of um, a long-term illness in my 20s at cancer uh, with a long and winding road to get out of it uh trained as a financial advisor a few years into that i thought to myself is this what i want to be doing after what i have come through so made a plan to move into the uh, you know in inverted commas the wellness space with the tools that have helped me and it's now 18 months in. It's taken a few iterations to get it to this point. But yeah, that, that, that's really the long and the short of it. Um, available for coaches, individuals, corporates. Uh, yeah, enjoying the journey so far. Amazing, amazing. And I know that we've chatted back and forth um, a good bit in the past. And you were actually... Um, so good to come down and be a guest for one of our live events. So I obviously know a bit of your story, um, but I don't think I've actually I've actually ever really explored with you all that much, like how you actually really got into um, like the meditation, the breath work, the gratitude, all that side of things, like when that actually came about in your journey. And I guess like, why as well because it's obviously changed the trajectory of your life so I'd love to understand a little bit more about that yeah I got into it very very slowly um this wasn't something that came about fast um I was diagnosed 2011 at 24 years old I was, I was three weeks into being 24 um it was a very positive diagnosis so I was told you know you'll be back in London working again by April so this was August time and then I fell into the five or six or 10% of people that it wasn't a very straightforward diagnosis. So the treatment went on and on and on, had uh, chemo, then the treatment was moved from Letterkenny to Dublin, then had uh, more advanced specialized chemo, then had radiotherapy. Uh, 10 years ago this week, I had a stem cell transplant. Um, from that then, that didn't work. Had experimental chemo in from America, that didn't work. And then it got to the point where I was told, there's nothing we can do for you. So spent a day or two wallowing in sadness and then decided to start looking at what, you know, I'm sure I'm not the only person who's been given this news in the world and managed to survive. So anything, anything I say from this point on, I want to preface with I don't know, a lot, an awful lot of luck on my side. Um, there's plenty of, so sometimes these situations are just crap. And I'm very, very aware of the luck that I've had. So started looking into the inputs I was putting in, taking control of what I was doing in terms of food, lifestyle, um, thoughts, even how I was talking. I my, my Twitter handle used to be cancer patient, so it was cancer with a hitch. Got rid of that, threw out old clothes that 
reminded me of different things. Um, and then around the same time, my medical team, you know, not my medical, the medical team, um, roll the dice with another treatment. So between someone asked me once, you know, do you put it down to the doctors, the lifestyle or the prayers? And I said, look, I, I'm not taking it away from any one of them. Uh, I don't care who gets the credit, but I'll, you know, I'm not going to change any of the three. Um, the breath work was the first thing to come in. And that would have been at the time post transplant, I had a lot of issues with my bone marrow as in it wasn't working. So my platelets were super low. I was getting bruised. Uh, if I put on the wrong shoes, I get bruised and my jeans were too tight out of a bruise. I wasn't able to fly, uh, my immune system. So my, uh, neutrophils were super low. I was taking two injections a week for my immune system. And I was taking one injection a week for my hemoglobin. So I was taking EPO once a week, same hem or same EPO that you would hear from the cyclists, all the, all the sports doping. And then two two injections to you know, artificially inflate my immune system. So uh, between the jigs and the reels with different medical treatments, I stumbled upon episode seven one two of Joe Rogan, and it was Wim Hof. So just listening to it, and he started talking midway through about the benefits, how you know how this can impact your bone marrow, how it can impact the different cells within. And my wife is a GP and I actually, I was outside walking and I came in and played that section for her. And she's like, that's exactly what you have. So I'm then started like much like I do with anything head first in like, right, let's do this is like breath work and cold showers that night. And at the time I, I still have the scarring, but I have, I have what's called graft versus host disease. So what they did was they took my sister's cells, who was my donor. And they give me more of those. The idea being that my body grew cancer, so it doesn't recognize it as a foreign body, whereas my donor cells will recognize it as foreign and will attack it and kill it. The danger being that it also recognizes every other cell in my body as foreign. So it's a very fine balance between killing the cancer and not killing me. So you get, you know, you get side effects from it. So I have these red sore rashes on my side and my arms. And I know about three weeks into the cold showers, I decided I'm going to treat myself to a warm shower. And I came out of the shower and I was like, oh, I can feel my rashes again that I didn't notice. I couldn't feel for the last three weeks. And that was the first sign for me that there's something in this because it was whatever I was doing, it was dulling the immune response to the rashes or it was helping the rashes. And very early on, people were saying, like, oh, well, how do you know this works? And this is something I would invite anybody to do for any diet lifestyle it's like try it for a month and if you feel better keep doing it and if you don't stop doing it and that, that has been my approach for everything to what I eat to how I live like give it a whirl does it help me yes and then it, you don't have to do it all the time it then goes into the toolbox that I can take it out as and when I need it um so then attended a workshop with a more advanced breathwork practitioner, had a really powerful experience there and, you know, thought I want to learn more about this. So started, I studied with Patrick McEwen and Galway on the auction advantage to learn the importance of functional breathing. So I'm just going to mute and take a drink one second. And the timing of that drink wasn't intentional, but one of the side effects from the stem cell transplant from GVH and from radiotherapy is that I don't produce saliva like a normal person does. So with that, there has been gum issues and teeth issues and that will 
as I get older, I imagine it will manifest into, you know, teeth removal. And that's okay. I'm here. It's a small side effect. So I was told that, look, the dry mouth is something you're going to live with for, you know, that this is just the way it is, you know, drink water. And when I say dry mouth, I skinned my tongue, peeling it from the roof of my mouth um, one of the times. So that's the level of dry mouth we're talking about. And one of the first things Patrick McEwen brought up in his training was, you know, you need to be nasal breathing, not using your mouth. And if you're waking up with a dry mouth in the morning, you need to tape your mouth at night. And I thought, well, this is absolutely insane, but I'm willing to give it a go. Started taping my mouth. From that day to this, I haven't had a dry mouth in the morning. Um, I've, when I train, I try and nasal breathe as much as I can. doesn't always work that way. But I've just noticed that I'm now having a better oral hygiene than I had from just that little bit of knowledge around. So the functional breathing led to more, as I would call it, experiential breathing around emotional release, um, trauma work, spent did an eight months, 400 hour course, and then spent 10 days in Italy uh, eating green foods, drinking mountain water and doing breathwork sessions twice a day. Really, really powerful. And then that slowly but surely filtered through to seeing how these things were impacting my life uh, massively, massively. So from the little bit of breath work, from taking it down and then the gratitude side of it came in. The first time I really, 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 really hit home was I think 2019. I was walking the dogs in the freezing cold rain. And it was just this experience of I am able to experience this. I am out moving with these animals and I took off my hat, I zipped on my coat and just opened my arms like this is incredible. And I came back like buzzing on a high. And that for me was the first real experience of wow, I like I'm I'm here. Just like wasn't gratitude for anything in particular, just for simply experiencing. Um, the 555 club itself was initially designed to be uh, like it was a free offering on Instagram that was designed to create awareness around the breath work because that, that was where at the time I, I thought the business was going to move very, very quickly. The 555 Club gathered more interest, um, started getting really positive feedback. And I feel a big part of it is that it's 15 minutes. You're not giving up two, three hours. It's, you know, drop in, take 15 minutes and then, you know, go back about your day. And that led to in-person work, which led to more in-person work helping with charities in Northern Ireland around mental health. And then eventually got to the point where it's like, okay, how can I build this out where more people can have access to it? So sat down with a pen and paper and thought, okay, we'll run it on Zoom. We'll do it two or three times a day and we'll do it three days a week. Uh, Very quickly realized that that's, you know, if you half-ass anything, you're going to get half-ass results. So a few months in that all went and it's now five times a day so different times throughout the day to cover all time zones and it's five days a week um as well as that it removes the cognitive load of people having to think when is this on is it on today because if you have to do that it's it's not going to work whereas now you know it's monday to friday set times put it in your calendar it's going to be there for you um and something i used to say a lot at the start that i don't anymore but it still rings true it's like whatever any individual takes from the call, I am taking 10 times more. Like it, it gives me so much the, the space that's held, the messages I get, the emails I get, uh, the friendships I've made through it. Um, it's, you know, 
we were having this conversation because I cold messaged you on Instagram, trying to sell you into the 555 club like that. <laughs> you know, th th this is where these things come about. Um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of the whistle stop tour of how it came about and how these tools helped me. Um, the meditation side, I didn't really touch on. That's been something that I've been in and out of for years. And it was the, the big thing for me was realizing when you're thinking, noticing when thoughts are coming through, when you're noticing your thought because it, you know, lie in bed at night and your mind's racing different, sometimes business, sometimes health, sometimes relationships, the whole thing going. And so if you can just notice, like, hold on a second here, my mind is thinking, like, and, and it's doing that of its own accord. I'm not, I'm not consciously thinking, it's just taking me down this negative rabbit hole. And from that point, I can then come back to the breath, ground myself, and I say this usually happens in the middle of the night, and then before I know it, I'm sleeping again. Now, sometimes you're going to have to do that 10, 20, 30, 100 times because the mind's going to kick in, and that's okay. Um, and that, yeah, that was been the biggest benefit for meditation for me is to just realize, hold on, I'm in thought, and I'm not doing it consciously. I'm just spiraling out of control in a thought loop here. Can I rein it back in? That's an absolutely incredible insight, Sean, into, I guess, how you got into things. And I guess it is, it's very much been a journey for you that's evolved over years. And I think hearing some of that, it's so interesting because you can only join the dots on those things looking back. You couldn't have like, you couldn't have put a, a five-year plan in place and imagined all of those things no. happening. <laughs> definitely, definitely not. Um, even down to the, like the 555 club, the idea came to me driving past a crash site where a few friends died in 2010. Like, and that was a, fr that was a Friday and I decided Monday morning, I'm starting this. And then the following Monday, I started an Instagram live. So like the whole thing, cause I was trying to find something that had a sort of a catchy name to it. And it was going to bring value that was easy for people to, to digest. And then that was, like, yeah. So shout out to James for that one. <laughs> uh, so I guess from my understanding of what you said there, you like you found the breath work really beneficial, like during your recovery with managing symptoms and you saw real health benefits. The gratitude side of things, just like it sounds like you just had an overwhelming, like positive experience and just like you were just grateful to be alive and to be experiencing. And that gave you like, just maybe a almost like a a high or just like this feeling yeah, of not, not almost it was absolutely a high yeah a high a high and then from the meditation side of things you're finding it really useful as a way of I guess calming the mind and like separating from your thoughts a little bit so you found that beneficial for yourself what were you hoping when you started the 555? What were you hoping to bring to the world and bring to the people that you were going to, um, I suppose, experience that with and bring into your world? Very little. Um, something I would, like, I hold a breathwork class once a week in the 555 club. And one of the things that I try and communicate is that I want you to take whatever you need from the class. Um, it's not, I don't have a, an xyz sheet of things that i want people to leave with and there's a line i've used since the very start of take what you need and leave what you don't i know there have been people who've logged into the 555 club purely because there's someone on the other end of a call and they can sit with their camera off and listen to somebody talking and they would do it two or three times a day um 
because they're not in a good place. I know there's people come on in the morning as part of their morning routine. This is what I do. You know, there's a whole group have their cold shower. They do blah, blah, blah. And at 7.45, they sit down and they have a breath work, a med- meditation and a gratitude session done. So by eight o'clock, they have three or four wins ticked off in the bag. I know there's people join in the evening to close out their day. And I always invite at the end of the day, stick down a few wins from your day if you want, use the session. But it's as it's what you need to take from it. The middle of the day session, people are logging on from law firms, from business firms to maybe block off the morning, to clear the head, to go into the afternoon. I don't, and I know from the very start, I didn't have a, I would like you to take from this because some days you're going to have a really profound gratitude experience. Some days you're going to have a really deep meditation. Some days the breath work is going to take you a little deeper, but you don't get to decide on what day you've what experience. Uh, You have to turn up and then the, the session itself or you or whatever state of mind you're in will decide maybe you've been something you've been pissed off at and it comes out and you can see it from a different angle. Maybe it's you've had a really busy or a really stressful morning and you're able to close that off. But it's much like, you know, time with friends. You don't get to decide which coffee you all kill yourselves laughing and have the best time. You have to keep going to the coffees and then the good time or the really deep conversation or something that somebody's stressed about will come out by being there. Um, you can't just decide, okay, we're going to have a really deep conversation at 3.15 tomorrow. It's like, no, it's like you've got to give the space for the conversation and then over time, it's organically going to happen. And that's my goal for the 555 Club. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I think that's really important because sometimes we go into things with like certain expectations of I'm going to sit down now and meditate and I'm going to be so calm and I'm going to have cleared my mind. But like, maybe that won't yeah. happen on that day and you'll end up being disappointed because that didn't happen. Yeah, and it's it's like, like, I'm, I'm going to relax right now. <laughs> Completely. Um, but we'll say over time for, we'll say for someone who's never in the past practiced breath work or meditation or gratitude and they get into maybe one or all of those practices, how do you feel like, how do you, see in your practice um or for yourself how do you see that maybe like impact a person's life or benefits a person's life like if if someone out there is listening and they don't do it like what would be the reasons or that they should maybe give it a go if you're if you if you've never done this before the first thing is to acknowledge that you're going to be very skeptical of it that is something i don't do that's for somebody else so that's okay that's just the voice in your head so once you acknowledge that that's going to happen when you hear that voice come up, it's right on cue. It's like, you know, I can't meditate because my mind is too busy. But what if a busy mind is part of the meditative process? So when that busy mind creeps up telling you, you've got to do the dishes, it's like, oh yeah, there it is. There's the voice I was expecting. Um, I had a sort of end of year, people sent me a few messages. And one gentleman in America sent me a message saying that from the 15 minute practice of turning up three to four days a week, some weeks five, some weeks two, but consistently, he started bringing in extra little habits here and there over the course of six months. And he's now back at the gym five days a week. He's now walking five days a week. He said he's more present with his family. And he finished the, I don't know how to even call it, the message with, I'm a better man because of this. And that's not because of the 555 club. It's because of getting in a bit of routine it's 
giving your space, giving yourself space to do something that's for you. Because if it's in the evening or the morning, you're you're filling your cup first. You're starting your day with you. Like the least selfish thing you can do is look out for yourself because you're turning up with more energy. You're turning up more present. You know, we don't need more people who have who have faster access to emails. We need more people who are going to put the phone in their pocket on silence and actually talk to you. So if you can transfer that presence across, if you can let go of the stress you've been holding on to, if you can cap off a day and by eight o'clock be able to walk in with your wife or your partner or your husband or your children and actually say, you know what, today was a mess, but it's, it's in the past. It's done. I've recorded a few learnings and I'm now here in this space with you. Um, that's where I feel it's going to have the benefit if, if you've never done this and you're skeptical about it. Uh, I absolutely love that. And I guess um, like learning about or like uh, gaining more knowledge about presence and what presence is and how to understand that is something I've been doing over the last while. And like, I wouldn't say that I understand it very much, but I'd love to know what's your take on like we hear so much about being more present and I think like it's very much a buzz thing like now nearly like what do you feel like what what is being more present now and like how do we know if we're experiencing that and if our meditation and our breath work is allowing us to do that more the first thing I will say is this stuff is super easy to talk about and it's super challenging to implement um, I try and journal every day and the amount of times I instinctively left my phone for no reason and look at it. I was like, what are you doing? And why are you doing this? Um, but for me, even knowing that I'm doing it is the first step to being aware of it. It's like, okay, yeah, okay, you are being distracted. Put the phone in another room and then do your journaling. Um, so just to recap, so the question was, how do you know you're moving in the direction of being present? Yeah, I guess maybe what your like take or definition on presence is and how we know if we're achieving it. For me, when I am present, like even this moment now, like this conversation on presence has pulled me bang into this moment. We, we were having a conversation, but just there, it's like you asking me what is presence, like, okay, now... I'm aware of my sit bone in the chair and I can feel my feet on the floor and I'm actually talking with Claire and I already the connection feels like it has just lifted 15%. I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I actually feel that too. Like when I asked you that question, I feel more grounded, like, and I feel a different, is this weird, but say a different energy, like a different energetic feels nearly like, that, yeah, that we're like, more it, connected. It, yeah, it, it feels like it's gone from a Zoom call to as if we're just sort of sitting in the same room beside each other. And just that you asking that question. And that was something. So I was talking before I was going through previous experiences, but I definitely wasn't fully present because as soon as you asked that question, it pulled me right into the moment. And that's there's a book called The Presence Process. And it's a it's a it's a challenging process and it's 10 weeks if you commit to it. But in the first week, the, the tenant is this moment matters. It's like, and how often can you drop into that sentence? Because that's all there ever is, is this moment. So whatever 
who you're doing, if it's the dishes, if it's just sitting, you know, with your hands down your pants watching football on a Sunday night. Like that's 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 a moment you're in. And can you fully experience it? Um, and even around if you can bring it in with how you eat, how you train, you know, if you can mindfully eat a dessert, you're not going to mindfully eat the whole dessert. You're going to enjoy it and you're going to eat until you're like, you know what, I'm full. I'm no longer enjoying this. Whereas whenever you're standing over the kitchen table after a stressful day with a bag of Maltesers, you pin half the bag and you don't even know you've done it. Um, but for me, it's that feeling of, yeah, I'm here and I'm ex- being aware that I'm experiencing what's happening. And I say, just by you asking that question, just put me right into that. So that, for me, presence is a feeling, like more so than a, than a description. I don't think that could have gone better, that, that question and that answer right there. Um, and I love that, that, that it's a feeling and... Do you know what when you were talking about your um your experience of that real like that high of gratitude that you felt before it sounds to me like that was really you just just experiencing that moment mm. and that that bliss that you felt and I guess I've um another book that um that I read on it is that the power of now um Eckhart Tolle's power of now and I guess that's given me a bit of like a bit of an intellectual understanding of it. But I guess it's what you said. It's like the intellectual understanding and the talking about it is one thing, but actually like doing it as frequently as possible or experiencing it as frequently as possible throughout the day is the hard part. Yeah. And it's the, there's so many different people have so many different great takes, but it all comes down to the, like you are the, you're not the person thinking the thoughts, you're the person watching the thoughts. So it's like, you're not your thoughts, the same with your feelings. Like you're not, you're not anger. You're the one feeling, experiencing anger in that moment. And it's, yeah, Eckhart Tolle's book is brilliant. I'm currently rounding on 87% on Kindle and I will get that book finished by the end of January. I swear to God, I've been working on it for about six months now, (laughs) maybe longer. but it is that this moment matters. How pre- and there's a part in it where he talks about fighting in a relationship with, like, if you're totally present, you're not going to get caught up in, you said, she said, but you did this because you're, that's a previous story that you're layering on top of a current action. Can you just simply be present with it and notice how it passes through? As I said, very easy to talk about, very challenging to do. 100% and I think what you said earlier of I guess like the awareness I think is nearly the first step to everything like if we're aware that we're not in the moment and that our mind is elsewhere and that we're really distracted and on our phones all the time and we, like, we come home from work and we're not even in the conversation that we're having then I think that's the first step to maybe like starting to maybe put the phone away and try and be more in the moment. And I guess from um, listening to Eckhart Tolle and his podcast and things like that, um, he very much like says that you don't need, like you don't need anything, like you don't need to read all those books. You do not need any more information. Like your best practice is to try and be in the, try and be present when 
when shit is hitting the fan, try and be present when you're in a fight. That's your best practice. Like that's your best spiritual practice. If you can do it then, you can do it anytime. And I guess reading more and more doesn't actually always help us with the practice of of doing it. Yeah, there was someone said to me once that reading can become chewing gum for the mind, uh, where you just feel like you're doing something, but you're not taking things from it. And like you can see over my shoulder for it's audio, but there's a pile of books there. And I went through a stage early where it's like, I'm going to read a book a week. And I did that, but I couldn't tell you one sentence from one book. It's like it was just hammering out books for the purpose of getting a book out of the way rather than sitting, trying to digest it, trying to you know, take two or three lessons from it that I can apply to my life. Um, and that's something the power of now is super, super challenging, not always an easy read and an even more difficult practice in places. Um, 100%. For anyone who does want to maybe like uh, understand a little bit more around that, he actually has a podcast as well that I think is a little bit more accessible than the book. Um, but just from your experience and obviously practicing those things now for a lot of years, do you feel like you are better at being in the now and at being present and that you can do it more frequently? Better is a difficult word. <laughs> or, if, uh, no. was, if there's a if there's a, a better word for yeah. that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I've become a lot better uh, to use that word because I, I don't think there's a, an easier one to use at living in the here and now before cancer i'd have spent a lot of my life skiing at the end of january can't wait can't wait can't wait can't wait so january spent looking forward to skiing then it's uh something coming up the barbecue in april with the lads can't wait can't wait everything was future paced and that's where i was going to be that's where the happiness was in that weekend um and then one of the reasons i decided to get out of financial services was sitting journaling on why I wasn't actually happy and reflecting back to when I went through treatment. And I obviously wasn't happy, but there was quite a lot of joy in my life. And one of the things I put it down to was that there was no such thing as next year or six months. It was literally, you know what, I'm okay today and I'll deal with tomorrow if and when it comes. So today's good. I'm going to, I'm going to fucking enjoy today especially when you get into a, a predictable chemo regimen, because you will learn very quickly on these four or five, six days, I feel absolutely terrible. I'm then going to have three or four days where I feel human and I can go for a walk and I can get out, maybe even get to, a, you know, get to a nightclub if the immune system's good. And then after that, the cycle is going to repeat itself. So you, you quickly learn that, okay, these six days are shit. That's okay. I don't have to try and rush through it. I don't have to change it. I can simply accept it and sit through this shitness. And then these are the good days and I'm not going to kill these days by looking forward to something else. And I used to have friends talking about, you know, will we go here next year? I was thinking, are you fucking mental? We'll, we could all be dead next year and you're, you're planning a year ahead. That process of, um, yeah, cancer was a very good teacher to me in that regard of just like, slow down. This, this is what there is. This, you know, what, what time is it now? It's, 12.54 on a Friday and this, this conversation is what's happening and you can, you know, you can worry about dinner at dinner time. That is so powerful. And 
it's incredible to see you look at cancer as as a teacher and I guess you feel like it it pulled you into it pulled you into now because you didn't know if you could think about the future at the time and it couldn't be looking forward to the next holiday but yet to appreciate what you had then yeah ma- ma- massively e- even in the early days I was planning where I was going to work as soon as this is over I'm going to go here to this to that and like don't get me wrong I believe you need stuff to pull you forward because there's going to be challenging times um but don't live don't live in that forward place um, it's like lift your head and look it's like yeah on this date I plan to be here that's fine and then come back into the now and like, this is where you affect change in your life this is where you rest this is where you work um it's one of the, you know, the space you're in with you know weight loss and changing lives it's like I want to lose weight by Christmas but this Mars bar isn't going to kill me and it's that one little choice twice a day seven days a week three 52 weeks a year because you just think the one little choice isn't doing anything but if you drop in you know, if you're totally mind, mindful and sitting with it and present with it you're probably going to delay it a little bit and then just that little bit of delay is going to keep delaying on and then before you know it you have the foundation of a very good habit base that's getting you where you want to go 100 percent. and i think something that i've kind of picked up as well um from kind of learning a little bit more about these things is that like it's absolutely like it's an amazing thing to plan and you can actually be quite present and engaged in that task when you are planning for the future you make your plan and then it's in this moment now that you that's the only time you have power to actually maybe impact that longer term plan that you have made but you can't always be living like in that future moment to get to here to get to here because that's like it's ruining your joy of of this present moment yeah and it's probably guaranteeing that you're not going to get to where you're dreaming of getting because you're not actually doing the things now to get you there exactly it's like i you know i have a let's say a body composition target i have to be in the gym this afternoon and i do not want to go to the gym this afternoon so it's like i can dream about the body composition target or i can begrudgingly take myself to the gym and i promise you when i come out of there i'll feel 10 times better yeah 100 percent um something i hear like i've heard people ask and i'd love to know your take on it i guess um Sometimes people think that like if I'm like maybe like meditating and thinking like, you know, everything is fine. I'm fine now. Like I need to be happy now that that will mean that we're not as motivated or as driven to push for goals in the future. Um, Is this something you've ever thought about or been asked about or do you have any... so just to clarify is that where whenever you whenever you because this is a big self-esteem issue where you're always like you are enough as you are in the here and now is that what you're asking I guess a part of that or maybe like that thought processes of like I should like I'm happy now like I don't need to maybe think about or plan for the future because I have everything I need now versus maybe like a thought process of well if I'm thinking that way um maybe like we'll say for example in business or something like that 
will I be actually driven to put the work in like to get to that outcome that I feel like I want if I'm going to be just happy and satisfied with what I have now yeah so so if I answer this incorrectly please pull me up because there's two ways I can answer this but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna try and answer the question I think you're asking versus the one that my ego's like answer this question like no that's (laughs) not that's not what she's asking for me something I believe and I think if you look at sort of nature in general is there's no such thing as standing still. Um, you're either moving in one direction or you're falling back. So if you are very happy with your client base at the minute, I don't know how many you have, it doesn't matter. But if you just say, I am happy here, I would almost, and you stop putting out social media posts looking for new clients because ultimately it's people you can help is what you're looking for. And you're like, I am happy with you know, 20, 50, 100 clients. And you just sit here, this is great. I would almost bet my car, which isn't a very expensive car, but still that in three years time, you'll have not enough clients to feed yourself. If you just take that approach, if I am happy where I am, Uh, the second you stop moving towards something, you start moving away from it. You don't stay in relation to that thing. Um, I had a mentor that said, when you get within 80% of a goal, you need to change the goal. Uh, and that is something that, again, I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent here, but the first astronauts had that issue where they went to the moon and they come back and they all chronically depressed because what do you do after you go to the moon? You've done everything. This was the big target. So then NASA figured out that, okay, we need to have more targets for these people to go for when they come back to keep them engaged to keep you know our brightest smartest people going and then and then i'm going to answer the other way whereas it's that belief of like i am enough as i am it's like you are enough as you are and you can get better that's the two that's the paradox between the two so it's whenever you fully know you're enough when you know that you're a 10 out of a 10 as a person how do you treat yourself how do you turn up for yourself? Does a 10 out of a 10 lie watching Netflix all day long? Or does someone who knows that they're a 10 out of a 10 on an individual um, scoring system, do they get up? Do they go for a walk? Do they get fresh air? Do they drink enough water? Do they train? Do they sleep enough? Um, most likely, if you cared for someone as much as you could physically care for them, you wouldn't have them lying Netflix eating Doritos all day. And then you apply that metric to yourself. So if you absolutely know and believe you're enough when you're a 10 out of 10, you're, you're going to do more, not less. It gives you permission to do more, not less. You've answered my question perfectly there. And um, that makes an awful lot of sense. As in, if like, I guess, if you truly felt like, I guess, felt happy and like, felt like you were enough, like that wouldn't be that wouldn't translate then into you deciding what well, I'm not just going to push towards anything like like it would probably mean that you're going to like move more. more in the direction of those things and coming at it from a really good place mm-hmm. um so it, that that's um really nice to hear your take on that and I guess it kind of takes away that thought process of well like if I go if I lean too much into that side of things will I lose my motivation will I lose my drive for other parts of life when actually maybe those things could be stronger and you could move more in the direction of those um for anyone 
who will say wants to be able to experience more of those things, wants to be able to be more present and maybe like be a little bit calmer and manage stress a little bit better. Like what would be the first steps do you think towards like experiencing those things and um, like how long does someone have to try them out for to know if it's going to be something that works for them? Like what would you say to someone at the start of their journey? Uh, depending on what you're hoping, like, again, what are you hoping to get from it? But for me, how I try and apply this, and again, this is so much easier to talk about than do is, can you be where you are? Like if you're in the shower, can you be in the shower and enjoy it? If you're driving the car, can you be driving the car? Um, if you're in a conversation with your partner, can you be in that conversation and not having bidding, 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 bidding? Again, not always easy. Doing the dishes. Can you be present doing the dishes? And that little thing, um, there, there's a line in the presence process that when you are fully present in the moment, there's a natural gratitude that arises. And it's not a gratitude for having more. It's not a gratitude for being present. It's simply a gratitude for being here, experiencing this moment. And the moment doesn't necessarily mean the moment's going to be enjoyable or comfortable but you are experiencing it and you are here. And just as good times pass, bad times pass as well. Um, so the, for me, the very first thing is simply, can you notice what you're doing moment to moment? I love that. And for you, is life better with being able to be in the moment in comparison to when maybe you are unaware of all these things and like, unaware that you weren't in the moment before you ever knew anything about the moment is life better with that awareness and with being able to do that i want to underline that i spend so much time unconsciously plotting about my day um it's the moments then like when it, whenever you asked what is presence and you get pulled in you're like oh yeah okay i'm here I'm, I'm in this like it's these these tools amplify life they're not something to run away and hide from life from like you don't you don't sit and meditate away your stress it probably lets you sit in your stress more enjoyably you don't for me these are things that amplify every other element of your life anytime you genuinely express gratitude and i don't mean just write down i'm grateful for it like if you sit and you feel like holy shit i have two dogs that just are phenomenally happy to see me every single morning when I open the utility room door. Like that is like, can I actually sit there and experience that? It's like, we're going to babysit my sister's children tomorrow. It's like half terrified, but there's going to be loads of fun. Can I sit and, and even that half terrified that hasn't come yet. So that's like me putting myself in my future. Can you sit and just be in the here and now in this conversation? And then in you know lunch later and so on and so forth. But it has. I don't think that this can take away from your life in any way, shape, or form. I completely agree. And I guess any time I feel like I've actually been in the moment and not distracted and really engaged in something, like it's like it feels like that's the most important thing then it, it like it feels right like in your body and I feel like I've actually felt very present in this conversation and there's something like 
like just that feels really good about it. And I think earlier you said, if something feels good for you, like then that's a sign maybe that suits you and that's going to add to your life. And I guess we can't answer that or no one can answer that question for someone else. But if if you like the thoughts of it and you want to give it a go to try it out for yourself and see how it feels. Yeah, definitely. And there, like, there's so much on you. Like, you know, we're living in a content rich world, like YouTube podcasts. For me, the best thing is, can you just notice your breath? Even now, whoever's listening, how are you sitting? Where's your posture? How's your jaw? You know, can you relax your jaw a bit? Can you soften your shoulders? Uh, this is one for me lying in bed. I'd be lying like ready for battle, jaws clenched, fists clenched. Like, what are you doing? It's like, just relax. <laughs> so how often are we in that, you know, re- ready to go to battle when we don't need to be? That's a really nice maybe way for someone to access it for the first time. How are you, mm-hmm. like, how are you holding yourself? How are you breathing? Generally, when you ask that, you'll straighten your spine, your shoulders will go back and down. It's like, shit, I'm, I'm question marking again. <laughs> when you said it just there a minute ago, I, I, I relaxed myself. I was like, well, <laughs> why am I sitting like that? <laughs> um, so I think that's really, really nice. And I have one question I want to ask you that I ask everyone when we finish out the podcast. Um, but before we end on that, um, can you just tell everyone how they could find you and maybe find your 555 club if it's something they want to give a go? Yes. So Instagram is probably the easiest place. It's underscore Sean, S-H-A-U-N, 555. The number is 555. So the 555 club is free at 7 a.m. UK time there. Uh, Monday to Friday and in my bio you'll find a link that will take you to the 555 club website and that'll give you a bit of information and there's a contact form and if you want to email you can get through there as well and the pin the pinned post on Instagram will sort of run through what it is amazing and I think you've given uh, like a really nice insight into that today as well um, so the final question I ask everyone is just if you had one piece of advice you could give to your younger self um, what would that be, knowing what you know now? It's challenging because I absolutely guarantee he wouldn't have listened to anything because um, he was cocky and invincible and about to find out that he is neither of those things. The one piece of advice would be that how you live has consequences. Like you can't burn it at both ends. Um, slow down but also speed up you know instead of comparing yourself to other people ahead of you are you doing the work today to get to where they are rather than just complaining um, it would more be an accountability conversation than giving advice um, stop feeling you deserve things just because you feel you deserve them so put your head down put in the work um, are you resting enough? Are you eating the right food? Are you looking after your body? And obviously this is in context to what happened to me just after 24 years old. But in terms of how I, you know, I, <clears throat> and don't get me wrong, I didn't live, you know, in inverted commas, an unhealthy life. But the life I lived led to the conditions I had. But I also feel, you know, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I'd probably still be working in construction in London or Australia or somewhere if my life didn't take the fork, you know, I wouldn't have met my wife, I wouldn't have met some of my closest friends, 
if my life didn't take that road it went. So ultimately, keep doing what you're doing because it's led to where you are. But if you're going to take advice or if you're going to say something, it's just know that how you're living has consequences. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. But it, it, it plays a part at some point in the future. That's amazing. Um, thank you for that, Sean. And thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for being so generous with your time and with your story and with your insights. I really, really appreciate you being with us today. So thank you for everything. And I hope everyone um, has taken something from that and will go check out your page. And if it's something for them, give it a go. Amazing, Claire. Love what you're doing. Keep going.